This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to an emergency flagship podcast broadcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, my gosh, I come back from a trip up to see family, and here we go with Texas and OU and the SEC and Texas A&M leaking this. I mean, we are in full-blown realignment mode. We are, Chip. You know, this has been a whirlwind 24 hours. You say that, you know, you're visiting family. My vacation was supposed to start Wednesday, and we are talking here on Thursday. So um, I have impeccable timing when it comes to, you know, scheduling summer vacations. But, you know, as a Pretty much every Texas fan out there has seen the reports that Texas and Oklahoma have uh, reached out to the SEC, and there's mutual interest about those two schools potentially joining the SEC conference. And, you know, if anybody has followed Chip Brown's career, you know that the person to go to when you are talking about college realignment is Chip Brown. He's been at the forefront of it dating back to 2010. So, you know, there's no but there's no better person to talk realignment. So, Chip, I'm going to start with that, with what everything that's gone down yesterday, what's the latest that you have been hearing in the developments of Texas and Oklahoma talking to the SEC? Yeah, I mean, I had heard that um, that there were some conversations with the SEC um, and I was under the impression that it might be about merging the Big 12 and the SEC and that would have or could be still uh, the catalyst that would probably push the top 64 schools in college football to break away from the NCAA, form their own governing body and get on with working together on media rights. And I've said collectively bargaining their media rights because that's where the most money is. And then um, Brent Zwerneman of the Houston Chronicle reports uh, Texas and OU only uh, to the SEC, or at least the conversations um, about that. And, and I don't think there's any doubt that Texas A&M leaked that information to Brent, who's an excellent reporter. He's also the Texas A&M beat writer. And this is the kind of thing that Texas A&M system chancellor, John Sharp would leak a savvy political veteran who's held statewide office in the state of Texas, two-time Texas comptroller in the nineties and a political animal who is in a constant competition with the university of Texas and Sharp's done a great job at A&M. I mean, he's attracted everything from, you know, the, the hurricane center from Florida to A&M. I mean, the guy, 
just never misses a, a chance to uh, enhance the, the research uh, capability at Texas A&M. That being said, there is a reason that this got public on Wednesday, right in the middle of SEC media days. And it was to muddy up the water. You, Texas and Oklahoma, I'm told, uh, met months ago about, hey, where do we want to be? Uh, because there was conversation about redoing the Big 12 media rights agreement before the expiration date in 2025. And I don't think, um, you know, Texas Regents Chairman Kevin Altife, Texas President Jay Hartzell felt great about where those conversations were starting. And so they meet with Oklahoma officials, uh, Joe Harris, the president at OU, and talk about, hey, with all the changes coming, where do we want to be? when everything sort of settles out. And I think in their minds, the SEC is the premier um, college football conference. It's where the best of the best are. And I think with name image likeness being approved, um, suddenly any concerns anyone has ever had, and I know Texas has had concerns in the past about how recruiting is handled in the SEC is there under the table stuff? Well, now it's over the table uh, with student athletes. And I mean, there's a reason Nick Saban dropped that his quarterback is close to a million dollars in NIL at the Texas High School Coaches Association gathering in San Antonio. Nick Saban wanted everyone in the state of Texas to know we're the premier brand. Our student athletes are getting rich. And all the top talent in Texas needs to keep coming to Alabama. And that's going to be a whole side story about does Alabama want this to happen? Because right now they're getting what they want from the state of Texas and LSU A&M have had success recruiting in Texas. If you turn Texas and OU into sec members, uh, are you still getting what you want from the state of Texas or are they, going to Austin where their families can see them closer to home and all of that. I also think the 12 team playoff plays a role in this because everyone's like, Oh, why would you leave the big 12 where you have an easier path to a conference championship and the college football playoff? Well, if, if it's going to 12 teams, you can suffer a couple of losses and still get into the playoff. And, and I think Texas is holding itself to, uh, the highest standard, at least under the, this new regime, under the Eltife Hartzell Del Conte regime, they're planning on being in the mix in every sport. They just won the director's cup. They, they are sure expecting or have high expectations for Steve Sarkeesian to do well. And Sarkeesian having been an offensive coordinator at Alabama and helped win a national championship. He knows the SEC has competed in the SEC. Now, with all that said, Taylor, where it goes from here, now that it's public, uh, and I wrote this morning in the morning brew at Horns 24-7 that a source close to the situation said Sharp at AM is trying to rally Missouri, Arkansas, and LSU to vote no. 
um, you know, where does the rest of the SEC stand if, if they are, uh, ironically, ESPN's SEC network uh, floated a model of four, four team pods. And um, it sure looked nice, you know, but uh, you had, I believe, Texas and Oklahoma in with, um, was it Arkansas and LSU? Arkansas. Yeah, for sure. I can't remember if it was LSU or not. I did see that earlier, um, which was interesting. Peter Burns was saying they were trying to have fun with it, but it's kind of like, this is the network for the conference. (laughs) And yeah, it was, it was a Texas, Missouri, Oklahoma and Arkansas in pod D LSU, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, Texas A&M in a pod, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and then Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Yeah. So, um, and you'd play the other three teams in your pod every year, and then you'd play two other teams from each of the other pods. And it would be a nine game conference schedule finally for the sec, but Which probably needs to happen regardless if they expand in my opinion. Right. Right. But does this get us where we're ultimately going, which is to the, top 60, 64 teams breaking away from the NCAA, forming their own governing body and working together when it comes to media rights like the NFL, because this has a potential to, um, well, it would deflate the Big 12. It would send the non-Texas OU schools in the Big 12 scrambling. The Pac-12 would gladly gobble up uh, some of those and get into the central time zone, which they've been trying to do for a decade since 2010, when they extended the invitations to Texas and five other big 12 schools. And they ended up with Utah and Colorado. Um, and then, you know, how does the big 10 and the ACC react to this? And does this move us further away from the top 60, 64 schools breaking away from the NCAA. The leadership is fascinating right now, Taylor, because outside of Bob Bowlesby, who let's be honest, he's, he's been an athletic director at Iowa and Stanford, and he's been the commissioner of the big 12 for um, almost 10 years. He's talking about all the time he spends with his grandkids. I don't think he has the stomach for this. Like for him to be the commissioner of college football and preside over the top 64 uh, schools in college football, breaking away and forming their own governing body. Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, I think does have the stomach for it. The other commissioners in the Big Ten, ACC and Pac-12, we don't even know their names. They're so new. Yeah. And 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 a lot do not have college administration experience. Big Ten does not. Pac-12 hired a new one that does not either. I mean, there's those two I know for sure have no clue when it comes to college administration. And I I know the TV partners and the TV bidders out there are all working feverishly to come up with an answer for this because uh, it's my understanding Texas and OU would not try to leave before the media rights agreements are up in 25. They would be trying to provide notice so that everyone can secure a safe landing spot um, and, and go when the media rights agreement 
is up? And that is a fascinating question about the Longhorn Network, which runs through 2031 and is backloaded. I mean, that deal, 20 years, 300 million, averages 15 million a year, but it started off at 6 million. ESPN, you know, it goes 6 million, 7 million, 8 million, all the money's in the the final 10 years. And that's the, that's the 10 years that are coming up. Right. And there's no way Texas is going to the SEC with the Longhorn Network. Um, It's an ESPN media rights conference. ESPN obviously owns the rights to LHN. How would that work? Does LHN just disappear and Texas walks away from a hundred million dollars of the 300 million? Or, I mean, is it, is that where we are? Is life so bad in the Big 12? Um, or is it about the sense that the landscape is changing so rapidly in college athletics that you want to be where you're in the best position going forward to take advantage of all the changes? And we don't know how quickly streaming is going to enter the picture. It's a great debate. And depending on what industry sources you talk to, some say it could be this go round in 25. Others say, no, it'll be the next go round. But the sense I'm getting from Texas is they didn't want to re-up in the Big 12 and have nine more years go by and, and wake up and everything's changed and they're not positioned where they want to be. So I think... From a, from a brand standpoint, from the best football standpoint, from a fan's excitement standpoint, Texas feels like its brand is on par with the SEC. This is a total departure from where they were under DeLos Dodds and Mac Brown. Mac Brown wanted nothing to do with the SEC because he didn't feel like they were, you know, he thought there were shenanigans going on in recruiting and he didn't want to play against schools that had an unfair advantage in recruiting Taylor. Now with name image likeness, I think the sense is, Hey, you know what? Under the table, this under the table stuff is now over the table and it, it levels the playing field and we need to be with the best football and the best athletic brands. Yeah. Well, Chip, you bring up a good point there when you talk about, you know, setting up Texas to be, you know, playing against those schools. I think it's safe to say at this point, when you look back to 2010, when, you know, the realignment was going where the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time was trying to do the Pac-16 and add, um, you know, teams from the Big 12, Texas then gets that Longhorn Network deal and stays with the Big 12, essentially keeping the Big 12 together. And they did it for money. Now, you you know, fast forward 11 years, and now they're in a position where, yeah, they've had that money from Longhorn Network, but has it helped the program grow or become, you know, a better branded product. I don't think so because the Longhorn Network still does not have deals all across the country, you know, for, for, um, for rights, cable rights and, and broadcast rights. So I almost feel like this is essentially Texas and Chris Del Conte and Jay Hartzell, um, you know, trying to make up for that decision in 2010. It looked like it was probably the right decision. I mean, 
first ever time that ESPN is going to have a single school network dedicated to them and then pay $300 million to that school for those broadcast rights of third tier broadcast rights. However, the money really didn't help Texas in the slightest. If anything, it hurt Texas and the brand of Texas football, especially because every time that the Longhorn Network has aired a game, you don't hear people being like, yes, it's on Longhorn Network. You hear people being like, shoot, how do I get Longhorn Network? And we're talking of 11 years or 10 years since it launched. So in this, you know, now you look at this, is this a way in your opinion that Texas officials are trying to kind of uh, fix what was done 10 years ago when realignment was really at the forefront of their mindset. Yeah, it was, you're right. It was that in 2010, they had just approved as a conference that each school would retain their third tier rights because the lost odds and A&M and Nebraska at the time, they all supported this too, felt like they, could make some money on their third tier television that other schools couldn't. And they felt like each school was entitled to that money. DeLos Dodds told me he thought it would be around 3 million per year and that they would lose money the first couple of years. So to come out of the box with this 20 year, $300 million deal, it was a coup, especially at a time where you're trying to increase your athletic department revenue, TV money wasn't where it is now. And, and then amazingly, after the golden decade of Texas athletics, where football's wins a national championship, plays for another, basketball's going to final fours, baseball's win national championships, Texas started sucking. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minute the Longhorn Network went on the air, Texas football has been lost at sea. And so the programming hasn't been in demand not even by Texas fans because they don't want to be reminded of the mediocre losses to Maryland and, and TCU. So I do think that's a fascinating component. I think the sense from Texas is the money is going to be there down the road. We can let go of the Longhorn network um, and not be all hoity toity about, Hey, ESPN, if we're coming to the SEC, you got to make us whole on this Longhorn Network. Now, we'll keep an eye on that, but my sense is that is not going to be an obstacle um, in Texas's mind going forward. They just want to be positioned uh, in the best possible place when all the changes go down. I still think we're headed toward the top 60, 64 schools breaking away from the NCAA, forming their own governing body and making the most money possible, um, which is collectively bargaining those media rights so that you can have better health insurance for student athletes. You, you can have a concussion database. They are the farm system for the NFL and they want to do better for the student athletes. That's why name, image, and likeness, the Power Five would have approved that $5,000 per student athlete stipend years ago. Uh, that the federal judge in the O'Bannon case said each school needed to be paying student athletes that was later thrown out on appeal. And I'll give Steve Patterson this when he was the athletic director of Texas, he said, we're going to have to pay this stipend to student athletes for, for NIL. And they would have approved it, but the entire NCAA, the 330 member schools were never going to pass that because a 200 and 
you know, 40 of those schools can't afford to do it, which is why the top 60, 64 teams in college football need to break away and do their own thing and behave like the NFL. We're now finally getting to where we're paying the student or the student athletes are allowed to earn money. Excuse me. They can earn money on their name, image, and likeness. They're not getting paid um, (laughs) by their schools, but that's where this thing's headed. And, and so they need to start acting and behaving like the NFL, because it's, you can't have one conference negotiate rights and then another try and outdo them. Or I've heard this today that a, a certain TV partner is willing to make a deal with just Texas and OU. And what if they land some colossal deal like Notre Dame? That doesn't help us get to where the 60, 64 are working together to realign the schools, to put geographic sense back into college football and get on with building college football and not chipping away at each other's territory. Right. Well, so one thing, the you know, when we talk about the potential of this happening, Chip, I need to ask you for your thoughts on Texas A&M. Obviously, the athletic director came out saying that they wanted to be the only team, SEC team in the state of Texas. Um, as you had mentioned, John Sharp is obviously pushing against this. Texas, offic- or Texas A&M officials, excuse me, um, according to your sources, leaked this to the Houston Chronicle. So what type of leverage or I guess muscle weight does A&M really carry in this deal if they do not get other or the, you know, the amount of members that they need to be against it? I mean, what, what type of, I guess, bargaining or, you know, type of negotiations or, you know, stiff arms can they do to the SEC or, or can they, or are they kind of going to be this, the pouting kids that if this goes down, they're going to be the ones screaming until it does happen and then be stuck with it. Right. Well, if you're, if you're a boxing promoter, you love this because you're just building the hype for the fight. If they ultimately do end up in the same ring again. Um, But I mean, I've talked to sources who say John Sharp will, will try to make deals with Arkansas, you know, maybe it's extending their series at Jerry world, another 10 years or with LSU, maybe it's, or Missouri. Hey, maybe we combine forces uh, to get you more research dollars because remember, this is a presidential decision and sharp is impressive when he's in those settings. He's a politician's politician. Is it enough to hold up? the first super conference with the biggest brands in college football. Are you ever going to get another chance to add a Texas and an Oklahoma uh, into a 16 team super conference? Does this push the conversation to let's just merge the big 12 and the sec and enforce the big 10 ACC and pack 12 to, to come to the table and let's get on with breaking away. I think these things are still up in the air. I will say this, there was momentum and I think there still is momentum for Texas and OU to join the SEC. There is interest on both sides. I think Texas wants it to happen. I think OU was nervous at first, but I think OU is now comfortable 
with taking the political heat in their own state, their governor's for, uh, Oklahoma State grad. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough on OU uh, because of the, the relationship that they have with Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is on the record saying, we're looking into this and we're going to be gravely disappointed if it's true. Well, they're going to be gravely disappointed, but they have new leadership, Taylor. I mean, the time you got to watch out is when you're breaking in a new president and we got new presidents all over the Big 12. That's that's a thing. I mean, I wrote about this when the COVID stuff was happening and how the presidents were going to vote on whether Texas was or uh, the Big 12 was going to keep playing football in the fall or not with COVID. And there were a lot of unknowns because you had so many new presidents in the Big 12. Well, here we go. And, and I think you've got bold leadership coming from Texas. And, and then you've got uh, Joe Harris, the president at OU, who I think, as I said, nervous at first, but I think OU is now comfortable with this. So, I mean, I think it's going to happen unless you've got these obstacles that pop up, whether it's a TV partner proposing a, a deal at the last second, which happened 10 years ago, right? The big, the big 12 uh, TV partners said, okay, okay. We'll continue to pay you as if you're a 12 team league, even though you only have 10 schools that worked for a year, then a and Missouri left. And then big 12 brought in TCU and West Virginia, but it's a sticky situation in the big 12. Everyone sort of is annoyed by Texas because they run the show. If they go to a conference that's based in Birmingham, Alabama, their political clout is less, much less than it is being in a conference based in Dallas, Texas. And is everybody ready for that? And so be careful what you wish for. The last odds ultimately backed out of the, the PAC 10 deal because he didn't want to be going from a conference based in Dallas, Texas to one based in Walnut Creek, California and suddenly get overruled on everything. That's why Nebraska left the big 12. They got tired of Texas, you know, making all the rules. And, and so it's, it's a very, very uh, ticklish thing because the very thing that makes college football great, the passion makes situations like these very, very tenuous. And so um, I think you, you have to credit old leadership, by Kevin L. Tyfe, Jay Hartzell, Chris Del Conte to explore uh, what they believe is the best for Texas. And if it all falls apart and they're still in the Big 12, look, they took a chance on Urban Meyer and it didn't work out and they moved on. So this is the kind of leadership I think we have right now at Texas. They're not waiting around for others to act. They are trying to make sure that they're in the best position when all the big changes in college athletics uh, come down over the next one, two, three, five, nine years. Yeah. So another thing, Chip, I'm, I'm curious about Texas governor, Greg Abbott has been open in saying that he wants Texas and Texas A&M to at least play a game annually. 
Oklahoma State's message that, you know, the statement they came out with after this news dropped on Wednesday, they seemed pretty upset about it. Is there any sort of political leadership in the state of Oklahoma that would be able to stop this from happening if it meant that Oklahoma State and Oklahoma would not be in the same conference and would not technically possibly not play each other every single year? Yeah, that's that's going to be fascinating because, as I mentioned, the governor of Oklahoma is an Oklahoma State grad. And there has always been some trepidation about the number of Oklahoma State members of their state legislature. And could they um, get in the way? And we're already hearing about representatives in the Texas legislature saying, oh, we're filing a bill to make make it where Texas has to have legislative approval to leave the Big 12. Um, then it comes down to who's got the muscle because it mattered when the big 12 was formed in 96, who's, you know, where the state leaders had gone to school, Lieutenant governor, Bob Bullock, governor, Ann Richards went to Baylor, uh, speaker of the house, Pete Laney, powerful, went to Texas tech. Those schools made it in to the big 12 TCU, SMU, Houston didn't. And so having political muscle in the right place when these types of decisions are made makes a huge difference. And, and some people are better at it than others. And uh, I was told today that Oklahoma feels like they can, they can get out without having to, you know, tie themselves to Oklahoma state. We'll see, because now, again, now that it's public, You've got it, it's basically a it's a public cross examination of everything and everybody's going to get their say and it's going to it's going to potentially have an influence because we've seen that happen in the past. Baylor threatened litigation um, against Texas A&M if if they left uh, for the SEC and A&M ended up sticking around for a year and it kind of saved the Big 12 um, so you never know. I know there are some really successful attorneys at all the schools in the big 12 who probably love to, uh, throw their hand into this thing and, and try to save the league. If you're, if you're one of the schools, not named Texas or Oklahoma. And so every day is going to present a new, a new twist on this. But, um, I do think, uh, Texas felt like there was a lot of momentum uh, for them to join the SEC before it went public. And we'll see if they can maintain it. And so when do you think that this decision would be, I mean, is this a few weeks down the road? Is this this week? Is this months down the road? I mean, what, what are you hearing for the timeline of when a decision or no decision could be made? Well, I get the feeling that they were getting close to, and I, again, I think it would be an announcement that, hey, we're going to play out our days in the Big 12, but after 2025, we're joining the SEC. Give everyone a chance to find a landing spot. Um, we know that these things can accelerate. And, uh, and so, you know, I think, I don't think that this story gets leaked to the Houston Chronicle if, if they thought it was going to drag out for a long time. So I get the right. sense that this thing was getting close to um, 
a vote. And so we'll see if, um, if this, uh, if this momentum is maintained or if it slows down. Well, just another reason for our listeners to be sure to be members of Horns 24 seven, because there's going to be no shortage of information with the ongoing uh, situation between Texas and Oklahoma, potentially joining the SEC and Texas football season. Hey, we're what chip about two weeks out from the start of that. So definitely make sure you are. Yes. Subscribe to horns 24 seven to keep up on all the latest. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks. Uh, and for Taylor Estes, uh, managing editor of Horns 24-7, I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Uh, this has been our emergency podcast about Texas and Oklahoma possibly joining the SEC. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.